What would it take to convince you that your body is the most incredible healing system ever created? What would it take for you to put your faith in its design to heal itself instead of relying on drugs and other interventions? The, the model of healthcare we have, yeah. it's exactly what you just described. We're, we, we, our last 12 years of our life are not quality years of life. We're living yeah. on dope pills, potions, lotions. Okay? Yeah. It's time to take our health back. If we're going to try to figure out and, and, and manipulate the body, it's a fool's game. I see you know, pharmacies that can call themselves wellness centers now. It's really become watered down. It's really become confusing. When we talk wellness, when we talk lifestyle, we're talking what is the environment you're putting your body in or inside of you that's gonna it's gonna just affect you our way is simply not working even with all our medical advances and technology we are getting sicker we spend more than we spend on military we spend more on anything it's it's, it's 18 percent of our gdp on healthcare. yet we're getting sicker and do we really think that more drugs and more tests and more that's gonna be that's gonna how we're gonna get there yeah, it seems overwhelming but there is hope this is the Design to Heal podcast. I can't think of anybody that I've met in the, in the last 15 years that's come in and said, awesome, I'm on all these drugs and I feel great. It usually goes something like, can you help me yeah. get off of all this crap, yeah. right? The first thing I have to do is teach them that they're designed to heal. I want to welcome everybody to another episode of Design to Heal. My name is Jeff McLaughlin, hosting in Orlando, Florida, as always with my cohort here, Dr. Ben Benral. How we doing, man? Good morning. Ben, um, you know, a lot of the shows recently, it's just been you and I just been dialoguing. Um, I, people seem to like that, but they also love when we get some guests on here, especially Absolutely. the ones that we have. So today is today is going to be a, a fun day. Del Bigtree is one of the prominent voices of the vaccine risk awareness movement. Uh, his career as an Emmy award winning producer of the CBS talk show, The Doctors, changes goes off the rails right when he produced the documentary vaxxed talk about that a little bit today which is credited with igniting a revolution against the pharmaceutical tyranny around the world all right now he's got an internet talk show the uh, the high wire absolutely fastest growing program and the natural health arena uh what's like 40 million views or something crazy like that yeah, i mean i think he's crazier. just behind design to heal if i'm not mistaken <laughs> oh, <there laughs> I'm we just go. kidding <laughs> and his nonprofit, <laughs> i can decide is leading worldwide investigations into drug and vaccine fraud that have already resulted in two Winning lawsuits against the United States government agencies, the Health and Human Services, and National Institute of Health. Dell Bigtree, welcome to Design to Heal. Hey, man, it's great to be here, you guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, well, we're excited, Dell, and, and uh, you know, uh, it's funny. I, I've just um, we are honored to have you on the show, and obviously, we've spent a lot of time together and, and gotten to know each other, and we've had you in Orlando here and helping raise awareness. Um, on issues regarding, you know, medical freedom and healthcare freedom. And of course, I know you get pegged and you're happy to be pegged as the, the vaccine guy. Um, I know it's kind of what follows you now. Um, but I think the reason I want to have you on today, Dell, and, and share with our viewers, and I really want to, I don't want to talk too much because you've got a lot of important things to share with us, but is, you know, you don't come at this subject lightly. And, and Dell, I don't know if you're even willing to share that story at the very beginning when you got into Vaxxed. And I remember you shared with, you know, before, I think you've shared it publicly about kind of how, what your dad said to you, right? Yeah. And, and, and that yeah. was a kind of a, I guess, a pivotal moment for you saying either I'm going to do this thing and I'm going to go at it with all I got or I'm, I'm going to walk away. I don't want to put words in your mouth, yeah. but can you walk us through? Is that maybe a good way to start? Yeah, yeah I mean, I think it is. I mean, it, it's how do you get into something, you know, where is life taking us? And I think one of the messages I try to get across is, you know, there's a lot of fear and concern in the world today. You know, it looks like a scary place. And, and those people that are looking at the vaccine issue are trying to protect the children. Uh, it can be very, very scary. Um, you know, all of it, the politics, our government doesn't look like it's working. I mean, if, if you're an environmentalist, you're terrified that the earth is going to overheat. And, you know, you name it. We live in this sort of very cataclysmic time. Um, but I believe 
believe really strongly, and the message I try to get across is, I think those of us that are here right now chose to be here right now. Um, I think it's time to wake up to our destiny, that, you know, this is our time. Mm-hmm. These are those moments where history is defined. So we've got to stop cowering and mm-hmm. crying and worry. we got to say, wait a minute, I chose to be here. The world needed me right now. Um, that's, you know, this is my mission. I'm a part of this. I think that that energy shift is, is really the, the difference between, you know, seeing these cataclysmic events leading to the demise of humanity versus having it being an evolutionary event where we actually wake up to that life that we have read about, that, that the, the different religions have talked about, you know, where we sort of align with a greater understanding of who we are. I think all of that's possible right now. So I think that's, you know, um, when we talk about, you know, how did I get into Vax? I mean, the first thing I, I want to say is, you know, people will say I'm anti-science. You couldn't be further from the <laughs> truth. I am so into science. And sometimes I, you actually get that used against you, like, you know, because you are so kind of like, sometimes it even bothers me. I'm like, Dell, you stop being so scientific and just yell a little <laughs> bit, but you're like, yeah. no, I, I'm, I'm going to sit on the science. Right. Yeah. And, and, and to be honest, people from, you know, anti-vaxxers get upset with me. Everyone thinks that they can lock me in on something. If you want to lock me in, then show me the science because mm-hmm. I'll go where the science I'm, but remember, I'm talking about real science. Right, right, right. I'm right, not right. talking about the religion of science, which is what most of the world is wrapped up in right now. I'm talking about, you know, double blind, you know, studies, repeatable studies, things that can really show us information. Independently you know, funded. Yeah, right. Correct. Yeah. Separating theories and hypotheses from facts. I mean, that type of science. So anyway, I was a producer on the daytime talk show, The Doctors, for six years. I won an Emmy Award celebrating great doctors, great medicine, science, you know, all of the, uh, you know, all of the things that, you know, have evolved through medicine. Now, by the way, I was, you know, always sort of into doctors that were using less invasive techniques, surgeries that were, you know, using smaller cuts, doing, you know, less damage to the body, all of these things, lasers and acupuncture being brought into surgery centers, all of those were the types of stories that I was fascinated by. But, you know, I could go on you know, for a long time, but essentially I was also probably the most controversial producer on the doctor's television show. Uh, There's seven producers. If you imagine we had to crank out something like 150 to 170 episodes for a year. Um, I produced one team and then there was six others and we would record seven shows a week to sort of fill up the whole year. Mm. So I, of all the producers, I was probably the most controversial. The lawyer, the legal team would always say that Dell, you you cost us more money than anyone else because <laughs> because I never shied away from a story, especially ones that involved industry. You know, if industry is making billions of dollars, no matter what it is, if they're telling me their product is safe, I'm already skeptical. I, I approach. <laughs> if you need to tell approach, me that, there's a problem. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. I approach it with skepticism. I'll just admit it right there. I have a bias. My bias is this: I don't trust giant industries to make billions of dollars, and I don't naturally trust government systems either or regulatory agencies. You have to prove to me you're doing things right. And so because of that, you know, I did a, a show on uh, the World Health Organization when they ruled that glyphosate was probably carcinogenic to human beings. Um, I had a debate on the doctor's television show between Donna Farmer, the head of toxicology from Monsanto, and uh, Jeffrey Smith, the GMO activist. And by the way, when you're seeing these lawsuits now 
being won for billions of dollars of payouts because we now know that um, Monsanto knew that glyphosate, which is in Roundup, uh, was you know could cause non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. There are video pieces being used as evidence from my show where Donna Farmer said things publicly that we now have emails that show that she knew the exact opposite. So she's actually been proven to be lying because she was on an episode I produced. So I'm proud of the fact that, you know, I've done things like that. You know, Del, not to, um, not to interrupt, but just it reminds me because we sit right now. So there was people that, you know, I just want to give people reference. So the people that watched that show, how many years ago was that? A decade ago now? That would have been so. Well, no, I mean, I think, uh, let's see, I guess we're talking 2000. I probably did the glyphosate story in 2014. I think. So people watch that and, you know, and, and depending on where their lens is at the time, they think, oh, man, that act, you know, Jeffrey's crazy and she, you know, she's got the science. And then, you know, it allowed them just to kind of stay in their bias. And then, you know, until until the facts are kind of held under your nose and you just are forced to see them and see the lack thereof or whatever you want to say, it's at some point you can no longer look away. And I know we sit there a little bit in, in I guess, the vaccine issues and things like that where right, right away it's almost hard to believe it's as crazy as it sounds, right? Until well, and, 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 and You're right. And, and how many people in 2014, this year, this last year, 2019, were all now aware that glyphosate is probably carcinogenic to human beings. So think about the fact that I put that story on national television in 2014, but it took you five years yeah. to really wrap your head around, like you're saying. But here's the thing. What made us wrap our head around it was lawsuits, was the fact that we were able to, you know, you have these class action lawsuits and these large lawsuits that sue the manufacturer of glyphosate. And then because that lawsuit moves forward, then we have discovery where we're allowed to ask to see all the trials, ask for the internal emails. We've got these massive email dumps where we get to the bottom of the story, find out they always knew. This is what separates the vaccine issue from every other issue like this we've ever seen. Because vaccines are the only product you, you can't sue when it injures you. And it, it's not just about not being able to make money if your child is killed by a vaccine or, or get your medical expenses covered. We cannot get the discovery. We, because the government is blocking our ability to sue vaccine makers, we cannot find out how they actually did their trials. We cannot find out what they actually know about the injuries that are written on the package insert of the vaccine. We see them there. We see that the manufacturer is saying this vaccine could cause death, could cause diabetes, could cause you know um, uh, paralysis like Guillain-Barre syndrome. But we don't know the data and we don't know the numbers because we can't get to it without a lawsuit. So you know I, we could really go down yeah. that road. But just wrap your head around the fact that this is the only product in this country that you that is totally indemnified from lawsuits. Uh, and then Del, Del, if I could, let, let me ask you something real quick, though. I, here, sure. Here's, I, I, you know, no doubts on this being the dynamic. I think the average listener out there is kind of going, well, Dell, the lawmakers that, that created these conditions, you know, not all of them, but the good majority of them, they got kids, too. Like, what were they thinking? What's what's going on here that something doesn't equate here? It doesn't compute in, in the minds of the, you know the rest of us who know, hey, my decisions, generally speaking, also affect other people as well. And so therefore, I take that consideration in mind when I make those decisions. What's going on with these lawmakers? I would say the only way you can really wrap your head around it um, is you have to think about the Catholic Church. You have to imagine what happened in the Catholic Church. And not to put that church down, but it's the same thing. When you have a religious belief that this this, you know, this in industry or, or however you want to look at this religion or this thing 
makes us healthier, makes us safer, makes us better people, how many people look the other way? Even though you had witness upon witness saying, I'm being, you know, you know, 20 years later, I finally can speak out and say I was being abused as a child. Police wouldn't listen to the story. Nobody in government would. Media wouldn't cover the story. You know, and essentially, and, and we know that they were indemnified from prosecution. Very much the same thing. And those, those are those, those politicians going to that church that would look the other way. So it's very much the same thing. There's a religion, a, almost a, a really a religious belief about how important vaccines are that to question it, to put a question would be so dangerous to society that we just we would rather take on what we believe to be slight risk than to actually open that door and see what's happening behind it. You know, Dale, I remember, I remember there's a book. It's called Talking to Strangers. I don't know if you've read it, but there's a they tell a story in there about and it's, it's a, these are tough topics, you know, but the, the doctor up in um, Michigan that was. Uh, the gymnastics coach, doctor. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah. And, and it was totally. horrible, horrible for, story. For a lot of right? Olympic girls. Yeah, yeah hor- horrible yeah. story. And and as I was reading more about it, because they use it as an example, a lot of this abuse happened literally with the parents in the room. Okay, and they they literally could not wrap their heads around. They wouldn't allow themselves to believe it. Right. And it right. said even right. towards the end, Jeff, there are uh, Dell. There was people that were like they could until they found I believe it was him. They found a on his computer like twenty five thousand images. OK. Right. And, th- yeah. and that was finally the undeniable evidence. And I think one thing you alluded to here, Dell, that I really want to sit on for a second, because I think if we go too fast, some people won't won't believe the magnitude yeah. of what you're saying. So if, but if we can't get that computer to see the 25,000 images, right? right? And I'm thinking about the, the, is it the measles research? Is it the measles research we got a little bit of on the Freedom of Information Act where we got to see some of the studies? Sure. Yes. We finally got. And it you showed know, how bad it was, right? Yeah. So it makes yeah, you say, exactly. it makes you, like you said, when you don't trust government or you don't trust, you know, big corporations, but I think it's certainly a reasonable thing to be skeptical of. Um, and then, and then they're really withholding. The only way you get it is by having to sue them to get it. And the stuff you get is garbage. You go, Oh my gosh, how can you not assume the rest is pretty, pretty ugly. And so what's maybe yeah. your take on that? Well, I mean, I think that that's, it's exactly what's happening. My take is, is that we are all a part, we, you know, whether we like it or not, the greatest religion in the world today is, is our belief in doctors. It trumps whether we're Jewish or, you know, uh, Muslim or Christian. I would argue that when you're told you have cancer, all of you, you may pray, but if your oncologist tells you chemo is your only way, you're getting chemo. You know, 99% of us are just going to do whatever that doctor says. We drop all faith. We drop everything, even though we can hear about placebo effects. Right. We know that there's some self-healing ability. Nobody researches that. They just immediately buy what the doctor says. And when you look at vaccines, it's a pillar of that religion. The religion is that we have made you, we have kept you alive as a species because of vaccines. Now, I can point to the fact that we were alive, you know, <laughs> millennia before there was ever a vaccine 200 years ago. But for some reason, people repeat to me, we are alive because of vaccines. That's a religion. Which, which then, has never been proven scientifically, which is, again, Della, you would go away. I would go away. We'd stop doing the show. We'd just be with our families again and it'd be okay, right? Like, we, yeah, we, yeah. the only reason you can even say statements like that is because 
it's truth, right? It has it's it. Truth. Yeah. So, cause why would we ever, it would be ridiculous. You, we, you would, we would have been shut down a long time ago, which I think is so funny. If anything you were saying, or I know you work a lot with Bobby Kennedy and others, yeah. if they, if this was, if, if there wasn't the truth, they would have sued you long ago, right? Yeah. Um, Look, so let's talk about things that they could do to stop me. And, and, I, and while we're talking about truth, let's just really get to the truth. Here is the truth. The vaccines that we give our children have never used the scientific method to establish safety. There's only one way to say a pharmaceutical product is safe, and that's the, the process that every drug we take goes through, which is a double-blind inert placebo study. If you've been through high school science class, you understand this, but let's refresh everyone's memory. Every drug, if it's a pill, a group, a large group, tens of thousands of people will get the pill, and then another group of thousands of people will get a, a pill that's painted to look just like it, but it's only a sugar pill. It has no effect on the human body. And then we follow both of those groups for usually about five years, sometimes as long as 10 years. And then at the end, it's called double blind because the scientists, remember your scientists work for the manufacturer. They have a bias. They want to see the product succeed. That Those are the only ones doing the safety studies. If the FDA doesn't do it, the CDC doesn't do it. It's the people that are going to make money off the product that are doing your safety studies. So you already have got to have a little bit of skepticism right there. But at least they do this placebo study. And at the end of the five years, they unmask it. And they ask questions like, who had more cancer? Who had more, you know, autoimmune disease, diabetes, things like that? And if the people in the sugar pill group have the same rates of cancer and diabetes, essentially, as the people in the drug group, then they say the product is safe and it goes on to the market. There is not a single childhood vaccine that has ever gone through that process. And so if it's an injectable, we have injectable drugs, the, uh, the placebo group gets a saline, a salt water injection that does nothing in the body. No vaccine has ever been through that. And we, Bobby Kennedy and I, had a big meeting with the National Institute of Health. Uh, we sat across from Tony Fauci, head of infectious disease, who you're watching all over TV right now, talking about coronavirus. Uh, uh, Francis Collins, head of the NIH, and about 10 other of the luminaries of our vaccine and, and immunology departments in the USA. And we said to them, why can't we find a double-blind study anywhere in any of the literature, not in the manufacturer, not in the government websites are you not doing double blind studies to establish safety and actually in the meeting one scientist said well of course we're doing double blind studies we just do them in much earlier phases phase one and phase two trials and the publications are really about phase three trials and we said to them great that's why we're here. We're here representing the American people. We're here at the National Institute of Health where everything, all this information is archived. Please go and get us those double-blind studies so that we can take them back to the people and say, okay, we were wrong. There are placebo studies being done. That's what we're here for. So we're, we'll wait. And there was this pause for about three or like really a long pause, two minutes. And then Tony Fauci says, we don't do double-blind studies because it would be unethical. That was it. All of a sudden, he changes the entire story. Francis Collins chimes in and says, that's, that's right. Uh, it, it is, it, it's unethical to do a double-blind placebo study with vaccines. And to explain that to people, what they're saying is, again, they have a belief that a brand-new vaccine like Gardasil, that was the first time we're ever going to try and go after cervical cancer, right, a sexually transmitted disease with a vaccine, that was, there was no other pre-existing vaccine. It was a brand-new approach. 
that never really got proper placebo studies. I mean, they're saying that we believe in this product so much that it would be immoral to deny a group of girls the life-saving benefits and put them in placebo group. They actually had placebo groups, by the way, but the placebo group they had, they gave them injections of aluminum, right. a known neurotoxin, the same aluminum from the vaccine. So they actually right. poisoned their placebo group. So, but Dale, just, I always yeah. think about, and I, the, eth the ethical piece has always bothered me so much and it's exactly what you said because i think there's been this assumption well there's obviously a a, a pre-assumption which is this you know you use the word religion this this just unquestioned belief that it's good the problem is that's never ever 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 been tested and so when right. i look at this and i think to myself if i'm just like joe consumer if I, now, if you can prove to me that it was so wildly beneficial that it would be unethical to not give it, but you never did that first study to show how great it was. And that's what I, I, I think people don't believe that never occurred, right? Because it, yeah. that's where, you know, I know there's some old, there's some great studies to placebo, whether it's knee surgeries, there's a great study they even did on angina patients, right? Where they were cutting the vessels of the heart because there was this belief that those were what was causing angina. Lo and behold, it didn't. And we've seen this show up in science. So this straw man argument of that it would be unethical is pre- you know, supposed that vaccines are good. And like you said, that they make us healthy, like there's some sort of super vitamin, right? And this is the right. insanity. And then if they are too, I think your point to some, I've heard you talk about, if they are so amazing and wonderful for us and only make us healthier, then why on earth would they need to be immune to lawsuits? Why on earth would they not be able to be sued? That's where I think people's minds would start to melt, where you'd say, where you, how could you not be skeptical of that? Exactly right. And, and, I want to just have people try to wrap their head around it because we all run around. We're really busy. The assumption is that a vaccine is just by nature safer than a drug, right? If we're going to – if we – remember, we make cancer patients wait for a safety trial to finish even when they're on, on, on yeah. stage four. They're about to die. They say, I will try anything. I don't care if it's safe. Right. I'm going to die. We still make them wait for a safety trial to finish up on that drug. Now, a vaccine is going to a perfectly healthy child, and we're not doing any safety study. Now, so that you must assume, okay, so we're saying that a vaccine just by nature must be safer than a drug. But it, the opposite is true. Think about it. A drug has chemical compounds, you know, uh, that are put together, and we do safety studies. A vaccine has all of the same types of chemical compounds. We know that you've got, you know, polysorbate 80 and... And, you know, um, yeah, countless, you know, yeah. Count, countless. But what I want to get into is the fact that not only do you have heavy metals like aluminum, mercury, yeah. uh, you have formaldehyde, polysorbate 80. But beyond that, biological you have tissue, living, yeah, living organisms inside. You have viruses and bacteria. Some of them killed, some of them alive, put into this product. Fractionated so you're DNA. Drug, yeah. And then you're putting things that are actually alive and able to replicate and you're injecting that, and you're telling me that by nature is safer? That's, that defies 
all reason. And that's what gets really difficult about this issue is the deeper you go, the more unreasonable it becomes. And, and the, so the mode of delivery, you know, bypassing the body's natural kind of way of getting things like, again, not a huge point. fan of drugs in general, but, you know, taking it through my mouth. It's like, you know, I've heard it said, you know, me eating fish oil likely has a beneficial effect on me. If I injected fish oil, it could kill me. It's a very different model right. of, of consuming. Right. And so, you know, injecting a vaccine directly into the body, bloodstream, intramuscular, whatever mode. I mean, we just, I think, Dell, I just often think about like, just like, just pause, put all your, you know, just logically think about what you're doing. I mean, I'm injecting, you know, again, people, some people don't believe this, Dell, but just so I can get out there and I know you know all this. I mean, there's vaccines that have, um, you know, uh, they've been grown on uh, egg, you know, a uh, chicken embryo. They've been grown on bovine. Yep. They've been grown on pig that I saw the flu shot uh, was on a dog canine kidney. Uh, there's, there, and yeah, there's worms. been, and, and this one really gets people upset, you know, and it's, and rightfully so even, and Dell, maybe we can just not put it to rest because it always comes up. Even some of the vaccines aborted uh, fetal tissue. Um, and I know and, that. And by the way, I mean, I was just standing in Connecticut. I've yeah. been at these these hearings for these laws to take away uh, medical or take away non-medical exemptions. And you will hear industry professionals say there is no aborted fetal DNA in the vaccines anymore. I mean, they say it right there before yeah. the health committee. I'm like, what are you talking about? I could bring you the insert. I could I'll grab someone yeah. bring a vaccine to the room and let's read the ingredients. It says right here that we've got, you know, human lung fibroblasts. And why is that a problem? I mean, yeah. it, look, we could talk for days yeah. and you can run down so many different channels. But while we're talking about aborted fetal DNA, I want people to think about this. We've been promised for multiple decades now gene therapy. The idea of gene therapy being we can find an issue that is, is in your DNA and we can splice in a DNA fix by having some Small right. fragments of, a, of, a, of a, a DNA correction, and we put it into your DNA, and then your stem cells will make that fix and multiply those cells, and now you won't have diabetes, or now you won't have cancer. I mean, this research has been going on for a long time, but it is still not coming online. Do you know why? Because they cannot figure out how to get floating fragments of DNA when injected in the body to land exactly into the gap of your DNA they want it to. And when it lands anywhere else, all it does every time is cause autoimmune disease and cancer, okay? And Dr. Teresa Deicher, who right. discovered the adult heart stem cell, uh, alerted me to this. I mean, you talk about the, the reason we're harvesting our own stem cells, that's Dr. Teresa Deicher's work. So she's no... You know, she is one of the top scientists in the world. And she said to me, I went to one of the top gene therapists in the world. And I said, what if I told you we were injecting floating DNA into our children on, on a con you know, almost constant basis, multiple times throughout their childhood? And the gene therapist said that would be impossible. We'd be seeing gigantic rises in cancer and autoimmune disease. She's like, well, we are seeing those things because they are doing it. The MMR vaccine has DNA fragments of DNA from uh, aborted fetuses. So does the hepatitis A vaccine. So does the chickenpox vaccine. Uh, so does the, I think it's the Prevnar, the polio uh, in the multi-combined um, uh, vaccine. So we are injecting floating DNA, and she did a study. She put an MMR vaccine in petri dishes and watched as the stem cells mutated themselves, took up those fragments, and then basically started proliferating at a rate that was twice that chemotherapy, meaning twice a carcinogen, it was multiplying that much faster. So 
these are not just biblical problems that we're using right. aborted fetal tissue. They are science problems, and nobody yes. in the vaccine world seems to care. They don't even ask a gene therapist or a stem cell, you know, uh, scientist. All right, guys, let's take a break now, man. There, there's just a lot of stuff to cover here, no doubt. So we're going to reset some things. We'll come back even stronger. And you are listening to Designed to Heal. Here we are back with Design to Heal. Jeff McLaughlin, your host with Dr. Ben Rawl and an amazing special guest, Del Bigtree. Del, I got, I got a question for you here. So you, you referenced earlier people like, you know, the conversation with Francis Collins, for example. Okay, to my knowledge, yeah. doctor, a doctor from, from Yale, I think, or is it Harvard? One of the yeah. two, I think. Okay, extremely, extremely bright guy. And, and you were talking about how none of these things are tested with a double blind study. Okay, these guys right. are educated men who I would assume believe in the scientific method. Why are they checking this at the door? Like, I mean, probably many of them also have a medical background, so they're taking a Hippocratic Oath, yes, where there's ethics and, and things like that involved here. How is it that the, that the cognitive dissonance is so strong with these guys that they, for whatever reason, you know, will give these vaccines a pass? It seems like it would violate everything that is in their, in their training from, you know, from start to finish. So help me understand that. Okay, I will. I'll make it very clear for you. And it's, it's quite understandable, actually. And it's human. Um, if you look at the person that held the job before Francis Collins, Dr. Bernadine Healy, she's in an amazing interview. You can find this interview uh, with Cheryl Atkinson. And she's asked the same question. And she says, we are not doing any of the studies. And here's why. She's like, I was shocked to find out. We aren't doing proper studies, not even double-blind studies. They won't do a retrospective study using a database that investigates, you know, vaccinated versus unvaccinated. That already exists. And she said, that already exists. So there's no moral implication there. Right. You're just reading the data that's collected of, you know, millions of people across America. And what she said says it all. She said the reason they – she's like it's like they don't want to know the issue no matter how small it is because they, they fear that if they find a problem with vaccines, no matter how small it might be, no matter how small the group that it affects, that that will create fear and, and um, a lack of confidence in the vaccine program and people will stop vaccinating. Now, remember, these are all government agencies, so they have to be transparent. If they do a study, technically, they're supposed to show us what that study revealed. And so now imagine you're a scientist. You can, I mean, you can kind of understand this. You believe you were raised, your medical you know, training said that vaccines are the pillar of health in America and the world, and without them, we will all die. You have that belief. Now you have you know, a growing body of what we call anti-vaxxers or vaccine risk people like Bobby Kennedy, myself, and the millions others that are out there with us saying we want to see a, a study comparing vaccinated to unvaccinated. We want to see the study that showed that DTaP vaccine doesn't cause autism. Now you say, look, if we do a study and we find out that maybe a really small percentage actually do get autism from DTaP vaccine, we will have to tell the world that and what will happen. See, their concern um, is that we have a, a propensity in humanity to, you know, sort of overweight the danger, right? If there's a danger of autism or a danger of death from a vaccine, 
even if it's like one in 10,000, people are probably going to stop vaccinating because they're afraid of that danger. You see that? I'm, mm -hmm. I'm, this is where I'm being totally scientific. I mean, I'm making their argument for them, right? I'm not, I'm, I'm not lost on why they're right. doing what they're doing. But here's the problem. So would you agree with me that, you know, obviously, you know, you studied chiropractic, you have a natural perspective, right. but you would agree that if this was something you believed in and you knew that it was good for people, you can understand why you wouldn't do a study that could undermine the program. Because remember what they say, vaccines only work if everybody uses it. Okay, so that's the tenant of the product. And if I do a study where some, even a small percentage stops using it, then I threaten the value of the vaccine program. And so I, as a scientist, have to make a critical decision to say, I believe, mm -hmm. I have a belief that vaccine injury is rare enough that it's better to not do any studies and reveal this problem because people might stop vaccinating. That's it. Now, let me let me That's ask you let me ask wow. you something. Mm -hmm. So you you and I want to pivot here just a little bit. And if you're if yeah. you're comfortable going down this route, let me know because I think it puts a little more here too. Where I'm thinking right now of the um, deposition that happened, right? That, that if you're comfortable Stanley speaking, yeah. If you're well, comfortable speaking about yeah. that, and then and then I want yeah. to kind of put right with that. Um, you know, some of the work that you and, and you and I think I can say you and Bobby do to, together, or however you guys sure. best, yeah. best say that and. And I also, I was watching the interview, um, I think it was last week's High Wire with you and Bobby talking, and, and, and I, I wanted listeners to hear this, though. There was a statement, give me the exact numbers. He was talking, I believe, about, um, it was the Simpson Wood, but they were talking about the relationship between, was it DTP? Or just refresh my brain, I don't remember what vaccine uh, it was. Well, it's, it's mercury. It's okay. spice, I mean, it was really technically a mercury study. And All so, Simpson Wood was just about the mercury vaccine. And it said, yeah. and, and so the relationship there that they had been revealed was that it was a, 1135%. Am I right on that? 1135 yes. or 1035 percent um, increase. And what they said in is was in autism in people that had received the mercury containing vaccines. And then to put that in perspective, though, um, I feel like what I heard Bobby say was, and Bobby's been in many cases of all sorts of different, you know, industry, you know, issues, environmental and otherwise, um, to put that in perspective for you, the causal relationship between cigarette smoking and lung cancer, that's a 10 times. Am I saying that right? right. So sometimes, yeah. so, so I, I say that, um, Dell to say, my goodness, you know, people, you know, you're not going to walk on anybody in the street and say, Hey, is smoking bad for you? Ask your 10 year old, what does smoking do? And they'll say, gives you lung cancer. Right. Yet, mm -hmm. yet when you compare, that's just that they were able to come to a causal relationship or, you know, enough that it's on every cigarette pack that says, Hey, these have been known to cause cancer. And that's at 10 times where we've got some research that's come to light that says, um, mercury containing vaccinations appeared to show an 1100, you know, time increase in that. And I, so oh, I no, guess, no, 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 yeah. let's, let's, let, me, let me, let me clarify. Let me clarify just to make sure, sure we please get this do. right. Yeah. 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 1100 percent, 11, 1100% increase is 11 times, 11 uh, times. The, yeah. Okay. So they, gotcha. They don't. So, so 10 times. You so know, on par with smoking, thousand, on right, par with the right, cigarette. No, on yeah. par and more. And, and, and some of the stats were higher. They went up to 14 times, you know, 16, depending on how you looked at, but the conservative number was more obvious connection than, than cigarettes is to smoking, at least in the early phase of Simpson would, of course, there was a giant whitewash and that's not what we read anymore. So but that that's a, right. So yeah. logic would say, and I to go into this Stanley Plotkin thing just for a second, because I think a lot of people would be unaware. So 
part of you'd say, Hey, let's go to the head. Let's like go to the, 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 what am I looking for? Right. The, the chief, right. Let's go to like, like Stanley Plotkin is called the godfather okay. of the vaccine. Be, be a good guy to okay. talk to. So what did he have to say? <laughs> what happened? Well, and, that, and, and that was an amazing thing, you know, and that's part of what, when people want to know what, you know, uh, what my nonprofit informed consent action network is up to, uh, half of our work is legal work and half of it I can't talk about because there's court cases going on as we speak. I get to tell you when we win, but we have one of the greatest legal minds in the history of, of certainly this vaccine issue, if not, you know, medical and science issues in uh, Aaron Siri. And to see him at work, you can go and just, just go online and look up uh, the Stanley Plotkin deposition, and you'll find your way. It's a nine-hour deposition. What happened, and, and by the way, all we want is to debate the heads of science on camera. I wish I wish the world could have seen the meeting we had at the National Institute of Health with Bobby Kennedy and I and several lawyers and scientists on our side against the heads of your health department. This this story would be over. You'd be so terrified. It'd be shocking. But they will never get in front of a camera. That's what keeps, I think, never it, have that debate. you going, you know? Dell. And that's what keeps us going is because we really do believe it's that if you if you knew it, you would you would be as blown away as you or I or others, millions of others. And so we're just uh, yeah. it keeps us going because we're going, hey, no, I promise you when you see what's there or often what's not there, it'll it'll yep. blow your mind. Right. It will blow your mind. We are the science is actually on our side. And the truth is, it's always been on the side of the dangers of vaccines. It's just you. You just keep listening to experts. But let's get back to yeah. the greatest expert there is, Dr. Stanley Plotkin. We've wanted to debate a guy like this for so long, I can't tell you. And luckily for us, you know, there was a divorce case going on up in Mich Michigan uh, in Detroit, I believe, where a mother didn't want to vaccinate the child. They hadn't vaccinated when they were together, but now that they were separated, the father wanted to uh, step in and forcibly vaccinate the child, and so they were in court. It was getting a lot of press, and so someone in the medical establishment said, this is a great opportunity to win this once and for all. Let's bring in the biggest heavy hitter the world knows. Remember, Stanley Plotkin is on the board of hundreds of pharmaceutical companies around the world. He has designed more vaccines than anyone alive to date. When you go to the CDC meetings to where they vote on whether a vaccine is going to be added to the schedule, the gavel they use is now called the Plotkin gavel. The only textbook on vaccines that really exists, the big volume is called Plotkin's vaccines. Okay, So I've established he's the biggest guy there is. And right. he gets on the stand and is asked really pertinent questions like, you know, you say that the DTaP vaccine uh, doesn't cause autism when you deliver that. You know, doctors say that all the time. Yet the Institute of Medicine, which is full of Nobel laureates, actually investigated this and found that there is no study that has ever been done with autistic children receiving DTaP vaccines. And, and I want to make a point here. When I travel the country with vaxxed, more parents claim DTaP caused their child's autism than people that claim the MMR did it. And my film, Vax, was only about the MMR. I found that shocking, but it happens to be the truth. There has never been a study looking at DTaP vaccine and whether it causes autism. And so in, in the dialogue, you can look, download it and watch it. Essentially, he says, look, there's no study that shows a causal relationship between DTaP and autism. And, and 
Aaron says, right, but there's no study that shows that it doesn't cause autism. So in the absence of science, you're saying you just assume it's safe? And he essentially says, yes. You have no problem telling a parent it's safe and doesn't cause autism, even though there's no science to prove that. And he says, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah, that goes go to ahead. Jeff's question earlier. Then when he's saying, like, help us wrap our heads around, like, and, and, you know, that, that person would come to this assumption. I mean, I've watched the entire deposition. I've read the entire deposition. My wife's an attorney. Like, this is kind of how we roll. And, and that moment where he, you're not, I mean, for anybody that thinks like, and I know, Dell, you get accused of a lot of things. I get accused of things. Um, this is not hyperbole, right? This is not out of context. No. I think it's actually even worse than you said there. I mean, he literally says, in the absence of science or proof, I assume safety. That Correct. is insane. I mean, and that's especially the, with something that's that, mandated on every ch healthy child born in the United States to the tune of however many right. vaccines. Like we've got to, if we are not willing as a, as a, as a people, as a Republic or whatever to entertain that question, Lord have mercy. But think about the problem we have because we're all involved in it right now. Someone's listening to this podcast that vaccinated a child. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. believe in vaccines. Yeah, yeah. And they're getting really angry at me right now. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're suffering from mm. the same issue that the scientists are, that I've described. Mm. You see, the pro-vaccine parents want me to be wrong. They need me to be wrong because otherwise it means that they poison their child. And uh, we know they love their child. And this Absolutely. is the hardest Absolutely. part of this discussion, okay? So deep down, they actually get angry at the idea of studies that would compare vaccinated to mm. unvaccinated. They're, if you really grab someone, they would be afraid of that study because they're afraid of what they might find out. And it's what makes us all, it makes people angry is when deep down we actually don't fully believe in something. We're more angry than we would be if we just thought, ah, I don't think there's an issue. But right now, parents are grappling with this issue too because if I gave my kids 72 vaccines, and they were never tested for safety. They can't be sued. And now I find out that there's never, you know, they, they refuse to do a study looking at it. What if that study is done and finds out, like, and by the way, it has been done. We've seen several now. One, the Mawson study out of yeah. uh, Mississippi found that the vaccinated children had four times the rate of autism. That's 400% increase, just so we can you know, get that clear. A 400% increase in autism, a 570% increase in overall neurological disorders, a 30 times, so, so what is that, 3,000 times the amount of, I mean, 3,000% more uh, allergic rhinitis in the vaccinated children. This is what we're seeing. And when a study like that is done, the scientific community doesn't go, oh, great, now we're getting some answers. They attack the scientist that does it. They try to discredit him immediately or her and label them an anti-vaxxer. That's pharma. You have such a massive power control by pharma now that they go out and try to destroy the career of any scientist that dares to ask the appropriate question. And this is the, this is the environment that this science is being done. And by the way, 270 vaccines are, are now in the approval stage. Thousands of vaccines are on trial because it's the perfect product. They can't be sued because they're protected from liability. We will never see 
what they found out in the trials or what they're lying to us about. And then you, you take the fact that they're indemnified. They don't have to go through safety studies. They've never had to test against a placebo. So it's really easy and quick to get a vaccine made. Look at coronavirus right now. If you read your paper, they're talking about having a vaccine ready within one year. Wrap your head around that. Yeah. That means there will have been no trial to see if there's a long-term effect of autoimmune disease, which takes two or three years to develop. Yeah, I always ask they are that, rushing these things out. I ask people, you know, when they talk about the people that maybe sometimes they can't believe that does or doesn't happen. I say, well, think about the flu vaccine that they roll out every year. Obviously, it would have been impossible to do a long-term study on the vaccine that they're giving you because it, if you will, didn't exist uh, eight months right. ago. So, you know, right. I think, so, you know, and Dallas, just maybe as we kind of, you know, wind this down, um, and I think you would do a good job at this. So, you know, you opened the show kind of talking about, you know, we have that we can almost have this fatalistic view. Right. And I can get there myself sometimes. Yeah. Right. Like hell in a handbasket. Yeah. What 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 island are we moving to to live this thing out with our kiddos? Right. And create our little utopia. Like there's there's a part of us. Right. My wife sometimes will say, well, honey, where are we? Where are we going when it goes down? Right. I said, well, honey, just so you know, I ain't going anywhere. Right. Because somebody's got to stand up and fight the fight and do the do the thing. Now, um, now, on the other side of that is this eternal hope, if you will, right, that, that humanity can, that we've done this before, that there's, that there's a resiliency in, in us that's inborn or innate, that desires, that believes it can be better. But I, if, if you would, Dell, you know, there is a reality of what we're facing right now yes. on what could be kind of the, and I don't want to be the, the scary guy here, but you mentioned, you know, 270 plus vaccines in the pipeline where, and yeah. I'll just start the conversation, if we remove all what could this look like? And just so people know, what you're going to say right now is not conspiracy theory, right? What you're probably no. going to share right now, there's a very real possibility of what the United States of America and other countries could look like in a very near future if we don't rise up and fight for our medical freedom. So could you kind of paint a picture of where this could end up so people kind of wake up to the reality? Yeah. I mean, so just very quickly, yeah. you know, let me just paint the picture of what the problem actually is from what we do know. They may not be doing science, but there's a lot we can refer to. What we do know is the CDC is reporting that when we were giving 11 vaccines like you and I got in the 1980s, the chronic illness rate, meaning permanent lifelong either autoimmune or neurological disorders, the chronic illness rate of our children was 12.8%. Now that has exploded. We took away liability. Currently, our children are receiving about 54 vaccines. Uh, 72 doses, mean because some of them have four and five different bacteria or antigens in them. So 72 doses. Once we are at 54, we now know the chronic illness rate has skyrocketed to 54% of America's children have a permanent chronic illness. You're seeing it, whether it's diabetes or plaque psoriasis, Crohn's disease, uh, multiple sclerosis, childhood leukemia is like we've never seen. Asthma, allergies, yeah. Asthma is all of it skyrocketing. It's the sickest our kids have ever been. And by the way, that's the greatest decline in human health in recorded history of children. Now, there may have been times we were working in coal mines as, right. as seven-year-old kids, but I'm talking about even then we didn't see a decline in health. We didn't see the immune systems of our children attacking their own bodies in a short span of 30 years, going from 12.8% of them to 54%. We've gone with autism, a neurological disorder. We've gone from one in 10,000 in the 1970s, maybe one in 5,000 in the 1980s, to now there, it looks like we're at about one in 36 and growing. There's a chance we're going to go, we're going to see the numbers drop below 30 within the next year or two, one in 30, one in 25. Those are terrifying outcomes. And so 
we are seeing a decline in health. So right there, whether or not you want to believe in vaccines or not, what I want to say to you is that in that horrific health record in America, I believe the FDA, the CDC, Health and Human Services, the National Institute of Health, the World Health Organization should be held responsible for that decline. Stop holding them on a pedestal to me because they have done the worst job on public health we have ever seen. Our kids are chronically sick. Okay, so right there, I don't trust them. I think they're doing a terrible job. Also, the experts that we say, oh, listen to the experts. They, all the experts say that vaccines are safe and effective. Right. All of those same experts also said that, that uh, Oxycontin was safe and non-habit forming time and time again. And we have one of the greatest crises, killing 60 to 100,000 people in America alone from addiction-related issues to that. So they can get it wrong. Vioxx yeah. killed, you know, they're saying uh, somewhere around 500,000 people before. But remember, we could sue. We found this out because we could sue these products. Talcum powder always had asbestos, and every expert said it was safe. I could go on and on. 54% chronic illness. Wrap your head around that. Now think about that's only 54 vaccines, 270 coming down the pipeline. That could be mandated. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Can be mandated, will be mandated. But here's where people need to wake up. Because for some reason you go, okay, well, you know, I was a kid. I got my vaccines. This isn't about the kids, folks. Written into laws all across the world right now. The EU plans on having a forced vaccination program for all adults by 2022. Adults. They will have a, a passport card that includes your vaccine records. The U.S. had a plan to have a full uh, vaccine uptake by 2020. I believe it's connected to our real ID, uh, which we're all supposed to have by October 2020. I, I happen to think that that will not is not fully on uh, on par because Donald Trump, I believe, is putting a pause button on that. But if you if we elect a Democrat, they will fast track the Healthy People 2020 initiative, which is a forced vaccine program. For every adult. So now forget about the children. When you're seeing these laws trying to be passed all across this country, state upon state upon state, trying to remove what's called the non-medical exemptions, meaning your philosophical or religious ability to opt out of a vaccine, they're doing it by preying on your fear of children getting measles. But it's really to come after you because they know that the moment they have a forced adult vaccine program, 90% of adults are going to say, I haven't had a vaccine in 10 years. I haven't had a vaccine in 20 years. I'm doing just fine. I don't trust that pharma crap. I'm not doing that. But then when you turn and say, isn't there a way to exempt out of this? No. You let that law pass in Connecticut. You let them take away your exemptions in Virginia. You let them take away your exemptions in West Virginia, in Mississippi, in California. And so now you cannot get your driver's license. You can't go to work. You can't get on an airplane until you get all of the vaccines that pharma is pushing through your, con your representatives. That is where this is going. We are talking about losing control of our own bodies. Forget, take the word vaccine out, take the word children out, and wrap your head around this. The United States government is going to lead a path for the entire world where every human being on the planet will be forcibly ejected with pharmaceutical products they have no control over, that never go through safety studies and don't have to reveal what's in them. Do you, you honestly, if you think that's a good idea, then I just don't know how many brain cells you have working left. I don't know where your IQ is at. Because historically, we should never, ever give the government that much power. And let me make this really clear. 
because, you know, I, I left, I, I'm basically a refugee out of California because they've been passing these laws. But in California, the gays, bi's, lesbians, transgender, you know, movement believe that Donald Trump is the most dangerous person in the world. They think he would like to kill them and eradicate from the planet. African Americans in California believe that Donald Trump is a white supremacist racist that would like nothing better than to see them wiped off the planet. Every Latino, you know, that in California thinks that he wants to eradicate them, wants them out of California, wants them out of the country, that he doesn't care about them. He doesn't see them as human beings, okay? Now, let's just use that hypothetically. I think that those are all dramatic overstatements, but let's just say we live in a time where there are people living in the United States of America that believe it's possible to have elected a president that is a, you know, has it out or doesn't believe in your race or your religion or your belief system. Now think about the fact that a forced vaccine program is handing that very person. And what's ironic is the Democrats are pushing these forced vaccine agendas in California. And who's in control of it? Donald Trump is in control. I'm not exaggerating. Here's the truth. The president of the United States, he elects or she elects the head of the CDC, the head of Health and Human Services, the head of the FDA, the head of the EPA. So essentially everyone that's going to design your vaccine program, and by the way, they go and hire everyone below them, you have just put a leader of the free world in control of your body. Now imagine someone that, you know, does mean harm. Do we really think we can never elect a Hitler again? Because we were, I was always told, you know, don't forget your history or you're doomed to repeat it. What happens if we do truly get a bad actor that decides, you know what the best way to deal with poverty is? Let's just eliminate the poor. It would be very easy if everyone's lining up for a vaccine program every year that they have no control over. We've already seen this happen in Africa. We do it with animals, by the way. We give vaccines to deer so that they can't procreate, meaning there are vaccines that sterilize you. Do you really think you will always elect altruistic good people to be president? I believe that it's possible to have a bad person get into office. Del, as and that's we, why you should yeah. never allow this to happen. Well, and we're and we're winding down, and I want to ask a couple of questions. Number one, you know we support you, we love you, we thank you for your work. I know that this work doesn't do itself; it doesn't come out of thin air. You don't have a money tree at your house. Um, ironically, I think it's always funny sometimes how uh, there can be accusations made that you know that you or I or others are in the movement for uh, financial gain, and I wish people could see the reality of that. Um, so that being said, I know you have an organization. Um, there's ways to support you. I'm happy to let people know about that. Can you give them the best way to do that? Yeah. Um, so first of all, the big, the most important thing is that people start sharing this information. So the high wire, like your show, my show, the high wire with Dell Big Tree, you can just type in at high wire talk and you'll find me on YouTube, Facebook. You can go to our website, the highwire.com. Uh, it goes up every week. Really, really critical information. We have two. I'm a CBS producer. I have two other CBS producers delivering content better than the doctors ever had, really bringing you the truth. So it's something you should uh, connect with. Um, my nonprofit has a website. If you go to ICanDecide.org, ICanDecide.org, you can read the lawsuits. Actually, we have a new one that we just settled with the FDA, where we had them admit that even though they're telling women they need to get a flu shot and a Tdap vaccine when they're pregnant, that there was never, ever a study that they gave that vaccine to pregnant women and watched their 
their health outcomes. So you're talking about an off-label usage being promoted by a government agency. I think that should be illegal, but you should at least know about it. All of that's on that website. And the truth is, is we are all marching. Thousands and thousands of people were in New Jersey. Over 5,000 people were in New Jersey in January. I was just in Connecticut last week. Over 4,000 people were in the, the state capitol there. And yet still, you know, we, we won in New Jersey and Connecticut. It's the, the vaccine law is pushing through um, the health committee. But here's the point. We have to keep growing in numbers. And we are. It was just reported by ABC, CNN this week that one third of all parents are now delaying vaccines. This is the fastest growing movement in the world. But we cannot win unless we have facts and we have proof. Remember, nobody's actually doing the science. We have figured out with the Informed Consent Action Network how to sue in a place where we've never been able to sue before. So that's why we've won against the NASA. We've gone after the government agencies instead of the manufacturers. But we have multiple lawsuits now in civil court. And for the first time in history this year, the science of vaccines will be put on trial. And we believe very strongly that we are going to prove to the world that some of these vaccines are causing more harm than good. And when we do that, the public confidence and the public discussion is going to shift. Our politicians are going to shift. So I believe our legal effort, though it's so important for all of us to show up, this is going to be very expensive. We are fighting pharma in court. We are going to go all the way to the Supreme Court. I am just a, a TV producer. I don't know how much you think a person like that makes, but <laughs> not that much. And the truth is it's going to be millions of dollars. So I need everyone's help. If you want to beat pharma, if you want the ability to point to lawsuits saying, see, in court, this was proven, doesn't matter what the experts say, they're wrong, the court system just decided, go to ICanDecide.org and hit the donate button. And what we're asking for is this is a critical time right now. If people will just donate $20 for 2020 every month, do a recurring donation, just like you pay your Netflix or something else, for $20, you can know you are funding the most important lawsuits the world may have ever seen. It is literally going to decide whether you are a farm animal, property U.S. government that can be injected with products you have no control over, or whether you are still a freestanding human being. We are only going to achieve that through wins in the court system, and ICANN is at the front of that. Bobby Kennedy will be coming in to work with us as a lawyer also. But we really, really need your financial help because we are not playing games anymore. And we have a track record of winning these cases like nobody else does. So if okay. you're sitting there and you're thinking this matters to me, then please help us out. Yeah, thank you. This is, a, this is probably a, a, a more intense way to close than, than maybe you, you want to. And if you choose not to, let me know. But you sh you've shared before about, and I think it frames it for us as we because these are hard decisions and they're complicated for people. And especially when we talk about our families and our kids and you used an example before, and I'll just set it. And if you want to take it from there, you know, if there's a really great, great, you know, uh, charity that's doing really important work, but however, yeah. can you, or you, would you walk through that just for a second? Are you comfortable doing that? Yeah. Well, I, I think that, you know, one of the things that I've said and, and is the issue is that I was in front of a class at NYU and I said, if there was a nonprofit, uh, you know, whole class of students, they said, there's a nonprofit that saves more elephants than anyone else ever has. Rhinoceroses, monarch butterflies, purifies the water all over Africa, has put in more sewage systems and clean running toilets in India and Bangladesh. I mean, this is the greatest nonprofit there ever was. 
There's only one issue. Once a year, this nonprofit takes a perfectly healthy, innocent child and sacrifices them. Would you donate? Would you believe in? Would you fund that nonprofit? And do you think any hands went up? No hands went up. And I said, what if, you know, could we promise you something? Could we promise you something that would make it okay to kill an innocent child? And they all shook their heads, no. I said, not 77 virgins. Or how about a mythological place called herd immunity? That it's okay to kill innocent children because that's what it's going to take to protect that immune-suppressed child that we all have to be vaccinated. And yes, some will die, some will be injured, but it's for the greater good. That's actually in defiance of the Hippocratic Oath. And I don't know if we have time, Ben, yeah. but I actually want to close up yeah. going back to how you wanted me to open this up. Sure. When I came upon Vaxxed and was standing in the basement with Dr. Andy Wakefield, who had an hour and 45 minute movie that was put together through an amazing set of miracles in my knowing I was supposed to be a part of this, I found this documentary, I watched it, and I realized this movie needs me. This movie needs, he, it was so scientific, no one was gonna, you know, a lot of people were not gonna understand it, and I'd been making television out of medical facts and, and science, and it needed someone to be able to make this whole thing make sense. And I was so clear that I was going to destroy my career if I do it, that my whole life was going to change. And I called my father. And along, I called my wife first and just told her, look, I'm probably going to risk my entire career and everything that we know, but I think this is that important. But I called my father, who raised me to always tell the truth. My parents marched in the 60s. They were very outspoken. My mom's, you know, really big on standing up for truth and fighting the establishment. And I said, Dad, I'm going to make this movie uh, about vaccines and a, and a fraud at the CDC. And um, I'm going to be working with Dr. Andy Wakefield, who's, you know, arguably one of the most sort of controversial doctors there is. And my dad said, Dell, I feel like I made a mistake. I feel like I put you up to this. They had homeschooled me, by the way. So I'm one of those types of people. But he said, I, I, I'm concerned that you think this is what you're supposed to do. And yes, it's important to tell the truth, but sometimes, Dell, it's more important to lay low. This thing is going to destroy your career. You have a house, you have kids, you have a family you have to think about now. And I remember when he said, you have to lay low. I actually was on the phone and I pictured myself dropping down into tall grass. I swear, this is like the image that came into my mind. And I saw the boots of Nazis marching down a dirt road in the distance. I was laying low in the grass, and just when I thought I should be hearing those boots disappear off into the distance, I realized that they were starting to circle around me, and those boots were all around me, and I was simply surrounded, laying low in a field. And I said, Dad, you're wrong. You lay low when something is going to pass by, but the truth is we are surrounded. Pharma has been moving on this for a very long time. And once you recognize you're surrounded, a fool stays laying low. At that point, it's only a matter of time. And then the sooner you know, the more you catch them by surprise, you get up and you fight like you've never fought before. 
And that's the story of every page in our history books. Our history books are never filled with people talking about or, you know, founding fathers saying, oh, we outnumbered them 100 to 1. The battle lasted for 20 minutes and we were victorious. No. Every page of our history books is about insurmountable odds, miracles, things that seemed like it was impossible to win. But somebody that had faith, somebody led, others stood up with them and believed in an idea like freedom, believed in an idea like body autonomy, believed in a world that they said, I want to leave a world for my children where they are free, and I would rather die standing than bow down and live on my knees. This is one of those moments. And what I said at the beginning of this, we all chose to be here. We, don't, we shouldn't be reading history books and say, wow, it must have been amazing to be George Washington or Ben Franklin those times. You are Ben Franklin. You are Thomas Jefferson. You are Martin Luther King. This is that moment. We are either going to hold back and say, no, the human body is ours and our life is everything and nobody can contaminate that body. Nobody can do anything to us that we don't have control over. This is our time. And history books, I believe, will look back at this time, Ben, at those of us that said, you know what? We recognize we were surrounded just in time, and we stood up together, and against insurmountable odds, we fought for freedom again. And to this day, children for generations to come still are not owned by their government or the pharmaceutical industry. Brother, you know I love you. And I'm thankful for you, and we stand with you, and thankful for our listeners to this. And um, we're gonna we're gonna stand, and we're gonna do everything that we can, and fight like hell uh, for people that maybe don't even know that we're fighting for them. For for them. And so I thank you for all you do. I thank you for ICANN. I know you would say this. It's not about you. Um, there's millions of people around that support. I know you got a great team. I, I I just I know you would acknowledge that and do acknowledge that every time I hear you. And so I thank yeah. you on behalf of all of your team and the sacrifices that are made and always and many that people will never even know about and uh, the people around there that are just waking up and it's really waking up around the world. We're seeing more and more and more of that. So go to High Wire. Go to ICANN. I, the show's every Thursday. I never miss it. It's got a huge. Um, there's resources on there. You can get all. Adele is always gives you the science. Everything that's on that show is. Uh, you can get all the references. You can begin to get educated. And um, we, we just thank you, Del. We're looking to have you back in Orlando and in Florida soon so you can uh, meet your people here. But uh, God bless you, buddy, and we'll talk soon. God bless you, too. Thank you. If you're out there listening to Design to Heal, catch us on social media. And remember to subscribe. We drop episodes every Monday. We will catch you next week. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Now imagine a new normal you get to decide when you understand your body's amazing design. Connect with us today by visiting AchieveWellness.Clinic and join us on the mission by sharing this episode with someone you love.